0: So if you're one of those people that has a sport or activity that you're really dedicated to, say something like pickup basketball, or maybe it's even in a league, jiu-jitsu, pickleball is a big one right now, maybe you're a triathlete, something like that. This episode gets into the things that you could and probably should be doing in order to be a better athlete in that chosen activity. So it's not uncommon for us to have conversations with individuals who have chosen some type of a sport or activity, call it something like triathlon, running, maybe Jiu-jitsu, basketball, or even like pickleballs we'll get into on the the show today. They treat these activities as their main form of exercise, and that's cool, but they end up leaving performance on the table and oftentimes find themselves injured. In this episode, we're going to get into things that you can do to avoid those pitfalls and be a better, more seasoned, more efficient athlete. And we'll also cover a few things around performance specific to injury prevention and general health and well-being. Within this episode, you're going to hear us talk about Red Dot Fitness online memberships. If you go to rdftrainonline.com, you can find out more about our online membership and even download a free week trial. In that free trial, you're going to get access to some of the programming that's included in the seven different workout programs available inside the online membership. So once again, go to rdftrainonline.com, go to online memberships and download one week trial for free. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get into this one today. There's uh, some conversations that have been happening around the gym over the last couple of days, and it brought me back to uh, a conversation that I had with um, Dr. David Skolnick. He's a doctor of physical therapy out of Arizona that was out visiting, powerlifter, coach, um, educator, and we were talking about the concept of fitnessing versus training, and going back to those conversations we were having around the the gym the last few days the approach to your training program uh, as a means to do whatever it is you're doing. And we have, we have several athletes that sort of come in and out of the gym. We've got like a, literally like a semi-professional Olympic level uh, racquetball player, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, dude just medaled in the Pan Am games in mm-hmm. a couple different events, which is awesome. Uh, and then we have other folks that are into jujitsu. We have some people that are pretty avid like endurance athletes. that get out there and then, you know, we have a lot of weekend warriors, you know, people that are just running around kind of doing stuff. And then it, this last year, the, <laughs> the
1: last like half of the year,
0: God like, like quarter, yeah, this thing, this pickleball thing. Pickleball, yeah. What is the deal with pickleball?
2: Well, everyone and their grandma. Literally, literally everyone in <laughs> their grandma's playing. <laughs> yeah. How did this happen? Does anybody know? You like, know, I, I actually heard about it three years ago four years ago like right when it's in its infancy mm-hmm. I think it started with people who just didn't want to run as much as in playing tennis that's what I think but I don't actually know the origin
0: I, But well I can tell you this <laughs> when I was when I was very I small a smaller court my mom played pickleball oh yeah. what yep. Miss Karen yep Miss Karen played pickleball
1: <gasps> wow
0: I had a buddy who had a pretty large piece of property sort of in the rural area out there south of us uh, they had like a sport court mm-hmm. uh, with like basketball hoop on it and um and a pickleball court. I had no idea what pickleball was, but I remember our, for, it was for a period of time there. my mom would go over and play pickleball with my, my buddy's mom. And then sometimes there'd be some other moms I think that would go over there. I had no idea what it was. I had really no interest in playing with it, being out there all the time. I never played it. Like we were to play basketball and it was the pool. They had a pool, so we played in the pool. But yeah, like pickleball is not a new thing. That's why I was a little surprised when it kind of came back up.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought, I thought it was a newer thing. I didn't know. It was
0: the... but, but I'll tell you, you go to the park near our house, and I think I oh, may have yeah. mentioned this before. Like there's literally a hundred people out there spread across these courts and another hundred people like queued up or getting ready to play. And this is like, it's not like sanctioned, organized pickleball. It's just people showing up to basically pay pickup pick games.
1: Organized
0: chaos. Organized chaos. Because <laughs> you can see like there's the ones that go out there that reserve their courts. Yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. It's like the
1: crazy... o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like-
0: it's the crazy lady or mm-hmm. dad who's down at the pool at the resort at, you know, 5 a.m. waiting for the doors of the pool to open at 8 a.m. so he can throw 15 of the family's towels on the mm-hmm. on the lounge chairs, that kind of thing. But anyway, I, I digress on the pickleball thing, just that people are getting outside and they're playing a little bit more, which I think is awesome. When I say playing, I literally mean playing. Um I think that's kind of where exercise got lost for a long time is that we took the playing out of it and turned it into like
1: punishment.
2: Yeah,
0: punishment, <laughs> it's a chore.
2: Yeah. Like, like pe- flossing. Like yeah, you yeah, to yeah. do and you're like, I don't always want to Oh, do dental little- flossing. Dental flossing. Yeah. <laughs> not not flossing, <laughs> flossing.
0: Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, but the I mean for for me um for me exercising was always fun but it was always rooted in something, mm-hmm. right? Soccer baseball, football, wrestling, track and field, there was always something I was doing that I could, I could apply the, the, the exercise to not when I was really little. Like, I don't know, like if I thought, and I, here's the other thing I didn't think about running around out in the, in the park, playing flag football or going for a bike ride or a hike or whatever, playing in the woods. As exercise, I looked at it as playing. We're going to go out and play, but somewhere along the line, people turned playing into a chore, into a chore, and that kind of made it into like this exercise component. And I know this is sort of like semantics, but I think a lot of people look at it that way. But going back to pickleball, a lot of people are outside doing stuff. There's our weekend warriors that are out, the, out outside doing stuff, whether it's riding their mountain bikes or the road bikes, uh, hiking, skiing, you know, snowboarding. Right now, as we're as the, we're we're doing this one in the winter. But I think the question comes up, like, are you exercising or are you training? And I think we could kind of, I think we should define that, uh, like kind of what those things are for the purposes of today's discussion. Because again, I don't want to play semantics here, Mm -hmm. but if we were to find the difference between exercising and training, or maybe a little, another way of looking at it, is it, are you fitnessing or are you training? I don't know how we break that down.
2: Well, I think I mean, when I think of training, I think that there's a specific goal in mind. There's a specific specific performance, adaptation, something that you're trying to achieve. You know, it may not be a competitive goal necessarily, but there's some improvement that you're looking to find out of, right? Where fitnessing, it's just it's maybe it's exercise, it's movement, maybe your heart rate's increasing, maybe you're maybe you're improving some strength or it's all good. All all good things, but it's kinda. Um, just it's that play. It's for fun. It's there's no structure. There's no progressive plan for it.
0: So that, that's how I think about it. So. Yeah, I think I, I would agree. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when I think about training, I think of practicing mm. and practicing for something that's bigger than the thing that I'm doing ultimately. And that's kind of how my brain works, just anyway. Like, what is the purpose of what I'm doing right now? And if I have a purpose or a why for doing that, then it that that leads to the intention of how I approach the thing every single time. I think you mentioned that word, maybe it was off air, just that word of, that word intention mm-hmm. and how important that is versus I know I need to do something. So I'm going to go out for a run today. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, um, you know, I'm going to pit play pickleball. Ultimately the goal, you know, <laughs> is probably to win, right? It's to score points and, you know, defend and those kind of things. And not that you walk away counting all your wins and losses for today, but my head also works like that. Like how many times did I win? So, you know, where am I going to place that ball? Am I placing it just so the person on the other end of the, uh, on the other side of the net can hit it back to me? No. I mean, if we're playing a game here and there's a winner and a loser, I'm a fucking win, right? So (laughs) that's the intention. So again, going back to like fitnessing slash exercising versus training, when I think of training, the next thing I think of, obviously, with that intention is skills building, uh, because I feel like anything that you're going to maybe compete in or uh, you're going to try to validate somewhere with a number or something on the clock, you know, something like that, there are skills that go into this. And so all the skills that I build in my my training program should equate to or drive to this bigger thing, whatever that is, and that is accomplishment of this particular goal. And I don't know that a lot of people kind of look at things that way, you know, like in today's day and age. Some people do, and I think we can break this down, but, you know, again, when people choose a mode of exercise or quote unquote fitness, you know, why they choose it obviously is important and then how they approach it is really important in terms of what they reasonably expect to get accomplished. And there are some pitfalls in just choosing to exercise. Uh, but there's also some good stuff, I think, that comes out of that. Uh, just as there is, pit, there are pitfalls with regard to training for something very specific and the things that can that can go on there. But I want to kind of focus it to the the person that has chosen a method of exercise or a mode of exercise, sorry, and within there, there may even be some competition, but they're not doing anything else to train to get better in that competition outside of that specific mode of exercise or fitness. So without getting, without convoluting it or make it conf- confusing, so here's some things I could, I could, I could bring to the table that I think people can kind of, um, kind of understand. So I think jujitsu is one of those, those ones that people can, can relate to because jujitsu for, for pe- people that practice that it's, it's life. They're doing that four five six even seven days a week. Doesn't leave a lot of time left over to do other things, but they also, they enjoy it that much. And it is like all consuming. Right when when you go out there and you can do jujitsu for hours if you manage yourself, so you know it tends to take up a lot of time, uh, and there's a lot of energy expended there, and there's also a lot of brain power that goes into practicing the things to get better at the at the movement, at the particular technique. Uh, Yes, there are skills involved there, um, but it leaves some things off the table if that's all you're doing. So that'd be one. Other one would be like running, cycling, swimming. We could combine all those in like the the case of like triathlon or whatever. And while those things do focus on some very specific things, they also leave a lot off the table. And then we already use, we can use the one like pickleball as an example. Um, something like that where you're maybe out, it could be basketball, something similar. People can relate to that. Like Mm -hmm. you're competing with other people. There's pickup games. I need very little equipment and be able to do this. I'm kind of out there doing stuff. Obviously we could pick a lot of things, but those sort of came up. So we'll use those. Uh, the, the point of this is, is we see people kind of gravitating towards one thing or deciding they're going to do something like I'm doing jujitsu to get in shape. And they're also maybe approaching with, I'm also doing jujitsu because I want to know how to handle myself better, you know, just from a, maybe a self-defense pr- perspective I have a lot of thoughts on that. But, you know, my, my point being is like, Hey, I want to be able to handle myself and it's a good mode of fitness. Uh, you know, I'm going to be challenging myself there and I get to compete. A little bit every time I go to the mat, I'm going to be competing, so it covers all those things. But again, it leaves a lot off the table in terms of one, all the domains of fitness that exist there, which we can you know touch on. But it also leaves a lot off the table just in terms of you becoming a better jujitsu athlete on the mat. If all you're doing is the Mm jujitsu, so again, are you fitnessing or are you training? And if you're training, what are you training to do? Because if you're training just to go to jiu-jitsu every day, well, cool. Then that's your goal. And I don't know if you really need to be doing anything else. But if your goal is to go to jujitsu and win and continually move through the process and the journey of jiu-jitsu, which often includes going to tournaments, and it will if you're moving up through the belt ranks and expect to get those higher belt ranks, you're going to need to compete. And I'll just throw this out there. If you've ever done that and competed on the mat, like at a, at a high level, particular tournament, not all purple belts are created equal, right? They're not all created equal. There are some very specific skill sets and abilities and capabilities that go into being the better athlete. And along with that, you also get exposed to a lot of things as an athlete, like, um, as you as you move on in the ranks, particularly in that sport, uh, their propensity for injury continues to to increase. Now, some would say, well, actually, you're more likely to get hurt as a as a lower belt or or sparring with somebody at a lower belt level because of what you don't know and mm-hmm. what you're not prepared for. Not not going to argue that, but the more you put yourself into these highly competitive environments, I think there's probably some data that suggests your propensity for injury pro- or in the Degree at which that injury happens could be much higher. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not trying to bring data to this particular discussion today, but I'm just trying to put all the pieces together to kind of maybe roll down the path of what could people do uh, to be better at their fitnessing, <laughs> to be better at whatever they're doing, but also train smarter in order to uh, and, and augment or enhance the training that they're doing um, in the chosen mode that they really love, whether that's riding their mountain bike to playing pickleball to, you know, getting on the jujitsu mat. So did I leave anything out maybe just in terms of laying the groundwork there?
2: I mean, I I know we'll dive more into it. I I like what you just said, you know, augment your training for what you're getting out of your activity sport um, with your training outside of it. You know, so, you know, you can even analyze like maybe it's the triathlete, like there's these certain Domains of fitness that you're getting in there. So you don't need to be in the gym training those domains of fitness because you are getting that in your sport or um, thing you enjoy doing. Um, And you could even break that down into, you know, biomechanics of what muscles am I working? What am I leaving out? All that kind of stuff. But I think it, your training, you start to think about is how do I augment my training so I don't waste time and I'm efficient in the gym because I want to be on the mat five days a week for multiple hours. So I'm going to get in the gym one or two days a week and I'm going to make sure I'm augmenting things that I feel like I either need improvement on, like I'm noticing um, lacking on the mat or I just need that I feel is getting left out. Even if I don't actually see a specific thing that I need to work on.
0: Um, so, yeah, no, I think so. Here's a couple of things that generally come up. If somebody's like just playing pickleball or basketball or just riding their bike or running or just going to jujitsu, We tend to find that obviously, but I'll I'll come back to my sort of this thought. I have these kind of streaming thoughts that are going through my head right now. But one of the things we see is a lot of repetitive use type things. A lot of repetitive use injuries or just, let's just say, um, breakdowns. Or even just like chronic pain. Just a movement pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So some examples, right? Like uh, leave the jujitsu thing out of it for a minute. We keep. I don't want to bias that one too much, but let's talk about like the pickleball thing. Let's, let's look at like, what, what are the necessary skills you need to have to go out and have a semi-competitive pickleball game where you can move around the court. Right. And, make a pickleball game actually happen as a quote unquote athlete what's called a user because I see a lot of people out there that are definitely not athletes that are playing pickleball. It's quite amusing. Yeah. Like I just they're having a great time. I'm not bashing them. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, "Wow, that is one that way to is, get it done." That is something. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that is impressive. But what are the what are some of the basic things we talk about domains of fitness and uh and skills that 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 you have to have in order to compete or do your exercise, your mode of exercise of choice. And I think this is where I want people to maybe as they're listening, go, okay, what have I chosen? And what do I need to be able to do really well in in order to be effective at this? Or what am I, what do I know I'm good at? And that lends to being good at this particular thing, you know, on the court, mat trail road, whatever, whatever it is. So let's, let's kind of break those down. I mean, we can talk about pickleball because that is something that's very, very specific club sport, right? Um, happening on a hard surface. Uh, Certainly there's some hand-eye coordination that goes into that, but what are some of the other things people need in order to be able to do that effectively and have longevity in it? What would you say?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind, you mentioned having hand-eye coordination, but having to knowing how to use your body in space and where it is. So um, being able to move laterally, being able to move forward and backward, um, being able to rotate. I mean, those are all things that come to my mind right away.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's movement patterns, right. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, which would be an obvious one. And there's a few different ways you can learn that one is just by playing the sport, mm-hmm. which I think is a really great way to learn how to do that stuff. And it is a, uh, and, and there, in fact, there's no better way to learn how to do that stuff initially than to just go play. Yeah. Right. To just get out and start moving and doing, it, and you find out really fast, what you may be good or not good at. Some people are conscious of this and some people aren't. And generally, when you're very, whether you're conscious or not, you will find that you'll overcompensate for the things that you're not very good at. So, if you're not very good at running, it, it, let's say retro running or running backwards, uh, you may be doing a little bit more turning and running, or you may be a little bit play a little bit more in the back court so that you don't get caught in a position where you have to get into your your back pedal um, and and move backwards in that court. That's that is going to catch up with you at some point. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you may be forced to move into that or go through that movement pattern. And then what happens, happens. Maybe it's a little awkward. Maybe you make it happen and it works. Maybe you fall over, maybe you trip and fall. You know, maybe you are unable to complete, you know, that type of move and you fall down and you get hurt. I I don't know. There's a lot of things that can happen there. The point being is, is one way to learn how to do this stuff is just go do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, as we get on in life, Right. And we become sort of immobile. We were not, we haven't, as kids, we kind of, actually, if you go back, this is a good place, place to maybe visit this. If you went back to when you were a kid or when, like you were an infant, dude, you were flexible as hell. Oh yeah. Right. Like you could not just bend over and touch your toes. Like you could wrap your, you know, one of your legs and feet behind your head kind yeah. of thing. And then, you know, you, you crawled, and then you walked.
1: And you squatted. Ass you to squatted grass,
0: right? ass to grass and all yeah. those things. And over time, we just stopped doing that. And yeah. obviously, uh, based on you know our activity levels, you know what we're doing, the environmental factors as well as physical factors and stuff like that. That that will start to we'll start to limit how we move and stuff. But the bottom line is, everybody is built to do this at some point. Do all these things at some point. And they just don't do them anymore. So they're not very good at them. That's kind of the case in point. But getting out there and just moving around is one way to way, one way to learn how to do it. But I think the point we're trying to make is, is where, what else could you be doing to enhance those movement patterns so that you are more effective on, on the court at getting the, getting the job done and uh, being an efficient mover, preventing yourself from falling any, into any shitty movement patterns or potentially getting hurt. You know.
2: Well, I, I mean, I think the thing that keeps popping in my head is dynamic. Like there's stability around joints, whether it's the tissue firing or even, you know, connective tissue quality. Um, there is like a neuromotor aspect of that. So your ability is brain to co-contract around joints to stabilize. So in a lateral movement, being able to stabilize your ankle. I mean, ankle, um, you know, sprained ankles are huge in pickleball. Um, dynamic shoulder stability and be able to not just have good movement, but also be able to brace and stabilize a shoulder. And it is a racket sport. Um, so there is that, that you can, some of that, yeah, you can learn on the court, but the strength around that right? At at the end of the day, you have to have strength and quality tissue has to be developed to properly stabilize the ankle, to properly stabilize the shoulder joint.
1: You know, so that reminds me of the conversation that we had earlier with a couple of our new coaches in studio and you did a really good job at talking about, you know, we can learn how to move our shoulder blades and stable our shoulder blades all day long, Mm -hmm. but until you
2: finish the course, Well, (laughs) until you can actually put it into practice and have an actual coordinated movement and, and strong tissue to support that movement, that, that's the only time you're going to be successful.
0: Well, I think here's an interesting aspect to this too, is, is that the body will, will figure it out. Mm-hmm. It will also limit you right? It will limit you if you don't have that movement or you can't move that quickly or in that direction in that way, or you don't have that mobility, whatever it is, your body will limit you, right? Either because it can't do it or it will prevent you from doing it because it's smarter than you, right? (laughs) And it's trying to sort of prevent you from putting yourself in a position that you could be potentially injured, injured. And that works in a very controlled environment or when Speed is reduced. Tempo is reduced. Forces are reduced. On and the all box. those
1: variables. And are- all
0: those variables are fine. It's, but you do this long enough and you keep pushing. And again, even with, with potentially adding these overcompensations for a lack of shoulder stability, joint stability, if you yeah. will, that's when things start to pop up. And anybody that's done any of the things that we've mentioned in terms of examples uh, recognizes that if they do it long enough, they have recognize these things. Um, Again, even the person that, that rides their bike, like they've they've recognized, like oh, that lower back, those hips, those shoulders, mm-hmm. my neck, my wrists, right? Uh, they, my knees, mm-hmm. those things. What what is going on? Why do those things feel the way they feel? Why aren't they functioning the way that that? Uh, why don't they feel the same way they felt when I started? Well, because now you're asking, you're placing a larger demand on them, and they don't have the ability to respond in the way that you. Need them to let alone the way you want them to, so yeah, really good point, so I, I think people wrap their around, all right, pickleball is fairly dynamic, yeah. you know, while you know you're not covering as much space as maybe on a tennis court or other things uh the the ball is definitely not moving at the same velocity, uh you're not there's not as much power output, you know, I think that has a lot to do why with why. People can go out and play and are playing it at, at, at the level and at the ages that they're, that they're playing right now, which again, it's fucking great. Like, yeah. Get outside and play for God's sake. Just move. move your body. Yes. <laughs> but to your point, like it doesn't have place that the same demands on the body that the other things do, but it, they are still demands. They're mm-hmm. just not to the same level. Yeah. Um, So like, again, if we brought in like the jujitsu athlete, uh, again, the, when you're out there on the floor, like your body's learning how to do these, you're learning the technique. There's a lot of repetition as a, as a, you know, and then there's also the brain game going on there, there too, in terms of the the chess match and, you know, your, your body's ability to sense what's going on. All of these things are being learned, but if you're not challenging that joint stability, if you're not in in any other way than what's on the mat, uh, and if you're not if you're not doing it dynamically off the mat, like the chances, then you're not getting everything that you could. On the mat, I think is what we're trying to say. Yeah. So again, going back to the fitnessing or the training, okay, you're training jujitsu, but what are you doing to train to be better at jujitsu, to be more effective at jujitsu, to have better resiliency, better strength, better power, better muscular endurance. Um There's the whole mindset thing too. That's a whole other thing. But what are you doing? Because if all you're doing is jujitsu, eventually that's likely going to catch up with you at at some point. Now, there are some of the top uh, practitioners, professors in the world don't lift weights. So this is not a very strong argument, right, that I'm trying to make here. I'm just saying, had those people maybe trained with weights, um, and and train, I'm saying weights, I, what I meant is maybe train more strength, power, muscular endurance, stability. Could they have maybe been better? I don't know the answer to that. We're never going to know. But I think conventional wisdom will tell you, like, if you can only, these, those people, that is what they've dedicated their life to. And that is not the person that we're talking to on this podcast, mm-hmm. right? This is not... The people that are listening to this podcast are not people that are world class jujitsu competitors, right? That have done nothing but jujitsu from the time they were four freaking years old. Mm-hmm. And they do 18 hours of jujitsu a day. These are people that work the fucking bank, right? These are people that work at the grocery store. These are auto mechanics. These are, these are carpenters, right? These are tech nerds. These are, you know, these are weekend warriors that we're talking about here. So the, the, what we're, what we're trying to get across is this balance. Like I get it. You only have so many hours a week to go play pickleball, ride your bike, go to jujitsu. Um, but sometimes um, if you're really trying to be better at these things, maybe a little less of that and, and adding in some of these these other components, these other domains of fitness could help you be much, much better and enjoy yourself and get more out of the the training that you're doing on the mat, well,
1: by Like conventional or, wisdom, but then also if you look at sport over the years, over history, um, they didn't necessarily, whichever discipline you, you choose, have strength training. So if it's swimming or it's track and field or it's basketball or soccer, and, and if you look at women's sports in, in particular, they didn't necessarily have strength training back in the day. It was a sport in and of itself and then calisthenics. But over time with science and those types of things... Strength training was incorpor- incorporated. And now look at what you have at your high school, college, and professional levels. You have really well-rounded athletes a in spe- kind of a
0: athlete. specific yeah. sport. It's a so. very different kind of athlete.
2: And I mean, you know, some people can argue that there's still high injury rates, which we could, that's another discussion of why I think that the cause of that. But performance, like there's no doubt that the athletes of today, the level of performance has, across the board has skyrocketed, yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, has gone and continued to only increase year over year. And, you know, you'd have to say some of that, it has to be because of these other more skillful, intentional forms of strength conditioning outside of the sport.
0: Yeah, it has evolved dramatically. Oh, yeah. it, it has evolved dramatically. And a talent is still a thing, mm-hmm. right? Grit is still a thing. Uh, There are still 1% of the athletes that will ever make it to, or a half percent that will ever make it to the highest levels of whatever their sport is. And some of that has to do with genetics, luck, Uh, and, or, or, and, or maybe it's commitment and dedication. I think one of the examples got used on the show one time is like, there's a reason why China has the world-class world, uh, you know, power lifter or excuse me, weightlifters and divers and things like that. And, but you don't see the back end of, you know, where these folks come from. There was you know, 10,000 little kids that had to break to get the one, Mm -hmm. right? That goes to the Olympic games and gets a gold medal on the gymnastics mat or on the weightlifting platform or something like that. And, and what were the factors that went into that to, to to help that, to get that athlete there? So many, too many to count, but most of it had to, you know, a lot of it had to do is just, this was the person that somehow made it through and maybe they got like, maybe they got some, you know, again, genetics or some, there's some gift that they have. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of times just has to do with how, how many reps they were actually able to put into it. And so if you had the ability to go rep out, you know, 16 hours of, uh, pickleball a day. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but if you had to do that, then you'd you'd likely be the best pickleball player in the world, mm-hmm. right? Even if you had just a little bit of talent, right? But if you had a worthy adversary and you had people to practice against that, you know, they could really challenge you and things like that. you could mo- you, Maybe you could be, you know, a world-class pickleball player. I don't fucking know, mm-hmm. right? But most people don't have that amount of time, right? And during that time, if you're practicing 16 hours a day, damn, you're going to build some power, strength, endurance, and all the right things in order to get you where you need to go. But that doesn't that doesn't take away the. I would be willing to bet that whenever we see the Olympic pickleball players, if that even exists, I don't know if this is. <laughs> oh, I, don't no. think, I don't think we're there yet. Well, it will be because it will be. there'll no, be no, money coming. to be made oh, on this. I mean, think about that. Like, it's the fastest growing sport in the United States of America right mm-hmm. now. People will pay to watch it, that or they will watch it, and that means sponsors will pay to sponsor it, and. Watch, it'll, it'll, it'll find its way there if it's not already already there for all you pickleball players, uh, aspiring Olympic pickleball players. (laughs) But the, the, the point of that is, is, uh, the best ones in the world over time will also be strength training. will also be handling these other uh, modalities within their fitness program. It's, we've watched every sport evolve that way, Mm -hmm. you know, over time. And again, separate like the weekend warrior against the world-class athlete, um, I'm not saying that you're going to be you're going to have the same amount of time or be able to dedicate the same or have the same resources or whatever else What I am saying though is is there has to be a balance in there somewhere if you want to continue to excel over the longer term and let's just use our heads for a second if if I want to be the best athlete at whatever it is that i'm I'm competing at 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 some point then things are going to have to be sacrificed and maybe it's it to do more training. Mm-hmm to work my way up through the ranks. And I think when you start doing some comparison and contrasts, you're going to see that the the greater, the better athlete is also the stronger, more powerful, more agile, more resilient, uh, better equipped athlete, Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. Well, I, I think I just wanted
2: to go back to, you know, one being a competitive athlete or having that mindset of if we're playing a game, you want to win. But just going back to the like, it's hard for the person who wants to be on the mat every day or it's hard for the person who can only play basketball, you know, three days a week and they love it and they want to play it all the time. Um, But if every time you're on the court, one, you either lack in performance, it's low quality, um, or you're just in pain, chronic pain, things are always popping up. I would much rather myself have more, only play basketball two days a week, but it much be much higher quality because of my outside training to support it versus even if it's sacrificing some of my time on the court. So for that jujitsu athlete, Yeah, maybe you can only get on the mat four days a week and you take that fifth day to get a comprehensive training program. But when you're on the mat, it's higher quality. You're getting more out of it. You're managing pain. You're managing performance and all these other aspects because of the training to support it.
0: Yeah, the thing that usually shuts down the jujitsu athlete is the injury. Oh, yeah. Almost, it's 99.9% of the time. It's the knee, it's the shoulder, Um, it's the back, something like that. It's something big. A, A broken... A broken foot, you know, a broken hand <laughs> doesn't stop these guys. They're just like, Let's tape that shit up. We're going to go. I'll just let my, you know, my sparring partner understand, you know, this is what they're dealing with, but they can work through that amount of pain. There are thresholds to this and they'll find workarounds to doing what they need to do. It's something that ends up being a little bit more cat, well, not, not a little bit more, but it's something that ends up being more catastrophic that really shuts them down. That's the, the, the thing that ends up stopping somebody. And that's part of the process. A lot of times people are going to get hurt. You do anything long enough, you're going to get hurt. And that's where I think we could sneak this in. Okay. So now you can't play as much pickleball or (laughs) basketball, or you can't get on the mat and do the things that you want to do. You're not getting the quality from that training session that you're getting before. Here's your opportunity to augment that training that you were doing, try to build a little bit more strength, uh, power, you know, endurance in a different kind of way. Something that that has transference over into your chosen your chosen sport. I think it's a good opportunity for people to like explore things instead of sitting around pouting or forcing your body to do something it's not ready or. It, not ready to do, and likely you shouldn't be doing it, right? Uh, to step out of that and get into some other type of mode of training uh, to enhance, well, let's just say support recovery uh, and enhance your performance over time because both can be done at the same mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, people would be surprised, you know, like uh, the example, one of the examples was is, um, uh, Peyton Manning when he hurt his neck, he was with, I believe he was with the, the, uh, the Colts at the time. And he was basically out, he might've been with the Broncos. I can't remember now, but he was, he was out a year. That was the first time he had ever, ever had any downtime from football in his entire life Mm -hmm. from, from childhood all the way through, you know, high school, college into, into the pros. He never had any downtime. I mean, he had an off season, but What's an off season for for an NFL football player? It's some golf and recovering from, you know, all the shit that you were doing. And he had the best resources available to him, but he never actually really had downtime to be faced with, uh, and it ne- so it never really, fa- you know, never really forced any change. Uh, and I can't remember where this was. I, I know I heard him say it. Uh, I think it was in an interview, maybe it was a documentary that he when he came back from that from that neck surgery and had been off a year, he came back the best athlete, the best human he had ever been his entire life. And it was like 40 years old because he had focused on these things that helped him be a better athlete. So when he stepped back on the field, I believe he ended up winning two more Super Bowls after that, or at least one more after that. The point being is like, here's this athlete who made it all the way and he did strength training, did that stuff, but he did all the, he did all the things. Again, he was at some, at the highest level for most of his career uh, from Tennessee to, you know, the, the Colts to ultimately the, the the Broncos. The I guess the point I'm trying to make here is is that in his downtime, he figured out what his body really needed and it helped him come back bigger, faster, stronger than he had ever been uh, because he was able to apply these things. So there was less football in his life, which helped him be a better athlete to ultimately be a better football player for a longer period of time. That's just one example. Um, I mean, don't quote me on his, his exact quote, but... That's pretty much what he said. I think I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing or uh, paraphrasing kind of what he said.
2: Well, and I think, you know, young athletes today can should really listen to what you were just saying and talking about that because I have so many conversations with young athletes now that they don't have an offseason. They're in their sport. They're in their school sport. Then as soon as that end, they go to their club and they have three games on the weekend and they have no offseason. They're doing no training to support it. And they're only just playing the same sport, not even getting different movement from different sports. And I mean, that's why we're seeing ACL injuries in youth athletes, which is supposed to be a wear and tear over years. And we're seeing that in high school athletes now. And I think a lot of that is to do because they're only playing their sport and they're playing in. and they have no offseason, they have no rest from it. They're not listening to their body recovery performance and, and building it up ever. Yeah. They don't so, know. They don't know how either.
0: They yeah. Have no, yes. They have no, no way to measure this because the, all they've known is it's baseball, 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 baseball. You know, when I was a kid, it was soccer, baseball, basketball. It was seasonal. Seasonal. We had time off. There yeah. wasn't, that wasn't year round baseball. I remember I had friends that did and we thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Like there was competitive traveling like soccer teams. I remember that, but it wasn't all year long. We didn't do that all year long. Yeah um, versus now it's much different. I was just listening to, and I've talked to several actually coaches in sort of the tactical space, tactical athlete space. And when I say that, I, I, that word gets used, I think, uh, t- t- too frequently, it's a little bit, been a little bit bastardized, but these are literally folks that train and work with people that are members of special operations or mm-hmm. special teams that, that, that do some very specific jobs at a very high level. And the difference being between those that they should be treated like professional athletes. And they're finally being treated like professional athletes. The difference being, uh, the difference between winning and losing for these guys, the stakes are a lot higher. And secondly, they end up doing it with no sleep, uh, more stress in their life than, than most people could even fathom. And, and, and the list goes on in terms of like nutrition on deployments and things like that on a, on wacky schedules. The point of this being is what, what they've, what's coming around now is there is becoming more of an acceptance of, Hey, there are things that you have to do to qualify to do this job. And that shit ain't going to change, you know, whether it's buds or, um, you know, the, the special selections for some of these other teams or whatever, like that's just going to be brutal. It should stay brutal. And that's what it is. Like you're going to get your ass kicked and it is about suffering and you better go in in shape, right? You better be fit as physically fit as you are mentally fit, or probably you could reverse that in terms of importance. And I I don't want to speak out of turn here, but what, what the common message now that is coming up after all these experiences and some of these guys that spent made careers out of this are coming out and they're, they're getting back into or they're, they're in the coaching industry or they're trying to somehow figure out a way to be in the kind of shape that they were in when they were young bucks or whatever, are learning that they need to do less of a lot of things and really slow it down, dial it back and take the time to learn the skills, right? And apply in, in the application of those skills is so important. And that oftentimes less is more in terms of building those skills to ultimately be the better athlete. Um, it's, it's, it it's met with a lot of confusion a lot of convolution a lot of times in terms of you know what you're supposed to be ready for and the even the just i think the the pressure they put on themselves in a lot of ways as an athlete now i'm stepping step outside of that group and just into the athletes uh, world period like we're always really hard on ourselves like we don't we're not good enough it's never it's like we're not we're not good enough we don't look good enough i'm not lean enough i'm not fast enough i'm not big enough I'm not strong enough and this goes females and males as well and so they tend to gravitate towards the thing that they're good at at with emotionally thinking that it's gonna help them get this result that they're lacking somehow. And it's just not rooted in a lot of a lot of logic. So so coming all the way back to the, hey, sometimes, you know, it might be worth stepping back from whatever it is that you're doing, going back to the skills. What are the skills that I have? What are the skills that I don't have? And What is the thing that's going to stop me from progressing at some point? That's a really hard question to ask yourself, particularly if you're winning, (laughs) you know, but if it's, if, if you're not winning and you know, you're not winning, that's because literally you're not winning on the court or the mat, or you're not winning because you're in pain and you can't win. You've been, you're, there's some type of limitation or that's preventing you from winning. Um, Or you uh, are, you can't win because you can't play for whatever the reason is. Uh, you might want to step back and take a look at that, and what are the things that I can be working on that help me get back into or into the game at a competitive level? And oftentimes, it's not the game, right? It's something else. It's human performance, and that goes well beyond again the swinging the the racket of the club or the pedaling or the running or the you know the grappling on the on the jujitsu mat. Um, what what are some solutions? I think the the one that always comes up. The first one that comes up is time. I don't have the time for that because I'm working at the bank. I'm working on the construction site. You know, I'm teaching, I'm doing whatever. So uh, at the school, so I don't have time to do that. I think that is a cop-out. I think that, you know, like people do the things that they want to do. If you really want to do it, you'll find a way to do it. So I'll just say that to start. But I also understand that the challenges that exist for people. So... You know, what's reasonable if we're looking at developing skill sets, you know, around those domains of fitness, agility, quickness, speed, strength, power, coordination, balance, mobility, stability, uh, stamina. Those are the ones that, you know, we're, we're going to everything. What could I be doing? It doesn't mean you have to dedicate or completely abandon. You don't have to dedicate two hours a day to this. Um, and you don't have to completely abandon what you're doing and the things that you love uh, that may, that, um. You know, again, like whatever that sport is, it doesn't take very long. It doesn't take a lot to get a benefit. That's the cool thing. Going back to the science and what we know, like this isn't anecdotal. There's there's a lot to be said for how to maybe implement this into into your program, you know, or into your into your lifestyle. So if you're trying to build like overall fitness, uh, and you're also trying to train four to five days a week, which is a lot for most most people how do you do it? Where would you start?
2: Well, I mean, I think finding an intentional program that one, you don't want to go in and waste your time. We're talking about time. So finding something that actually is planned and purposeful. Don't just go to the gym, Mm. hop on a bunch of random machines and do that, which I think that's what a lot of people do. And then they get frustrated with their progress and time and all that. So find an intentional program. And truthfully, if you are getting a lot of exercise movement, if you're on the jujitsu mat five days a week, you can see some good adaptation, even just getting one intentional lift a week to support mm-hmm. that because you're not sedentary the rest of the week. And there are other benefits from that. So if you're a triathlete, like getting one, ideally two lifts a week, 30, 45 minutes, an hour and start that and it's, it's intentional and progressive, you'll see changes from that over time.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, the thing that people tend to do is like program hop a lot. Oh yeah. Like, and you mentioned like having intention and picking a program that's actually going to give you a benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one of the important things to do there, especially for that person that's already having a hard time, maybe balancing or justifying, you know, pulling, pulling away from something else is to measure it, Mm -hmm. is to measure what it is that you're doing, like measure the result that you're looking to achieve. Is it working or is it not working? And a lot of people it's like, Oh, it's not working. You know, like it just, it's immediately, it's not working. We haven't, Couple things. First off, you haven't done it fucking long enough to know if it does work or it yeah. doesn't. You haven't had any consistency. You've never really committed to this. Or you picked the wrong program, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you chose something like on an emotional response or because you saw so-and-so on Instagram or you heard so-and-so at the pickleball court. <laughs> whatever <laughs> cracks me up saying that this is the program they did and you've automatically made these assumptions. <laughs> Sorry. You've made these assumptions that, Oh, well, so-and-so looks like this. They're performing like this or beating my ass every day at pickleball. Like that's the program I need for me. Yeah. Right. So that's another pitfall in terms of choosing something that's not intentional. That's emotional. That's rooted in zero logic whatsoever. Uh, Stop it. And take a few steps back, and let's think about that for a second. What are the identify the things that you need to be working on? Um, and again, something that's very basic, that does some very basic things that you don't, that's not overcomplicated. can be very effective, at least for a while, Mm -hmm. uh, to get you down that path to understand like what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what you like, what you don't like, what's accessible, what isn't accessible. Those are all the things that need to be vetted out here before you make a commitment or where, before you decide like what's the right thing or not. And sometimes that means getting a little frustrated and kind of like, oh shit, that didn't work, but you'll know it won't work it's not working if you're dedicated and committed to, to, to it. And part of that process, I think is doing some measurement, doing some reasonable measurement. So I think that's a really good, that's a really good way of, 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 of to start is to think about 30, 45 minutes, a couple of times a week doing something outside of whatever your cho- your modality, your, you know, your chosen sport is to enhance or augment what it is that you're doing. It's often something that's rooted in resistance training. Yeah. Um, that can then maybe, You can then build on that resistance training. If you're doing it well, trains movement, right? Which then trains mobility, which also trains stability, which also trains endurance, which, uh, you know, can help you increase range of motion. It can help you. It it also trains endurance, muscular endurance. Uh, and you know, which then also leads to what you were mentioning before, more of a quality session Mm. on the mat, When you do go, maybe you're decreasing your rest times. You're able to spar a little longer. You're able to go a little harder. You're able to uh, uh, spar with that person that's a little bit better than you now because there is a strength, you know, uh, Equalization. equalization, you know. And I think most people, you know, that have done that, particularly that sport for a while, like if you went purple belt for purple belt, right? Same amount of time on the mat, same school, you know. This dude's six foot tall, one eighty. This dude's six foot t- t- tall, one eighty. The dude that has more power and strength, you know, all things else equated, he's going to have a much easier time on the mat, generally speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Let's again, all, all things equated. It just is a like I said, a chess match. So you know, I've been wrapped up by some hundred and twenty five pounders before, and you know, tapped out, yeah, you know, kind of thing. But that's just that's that's how the how the cookie crumbles when you're little, but or when you're when you're young. But my my my. In the sport, my point being, like that power and strength component, all those things come from a really solid, you know, strength training program. It does not have to be overcomplicated. You mm-hmm. don't need a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment, right? You know, a kettlebell a kettlebell, right? Uh, a couple sets of dumbbells, just a little space in your garage, you know, maybe a maybe a squat rack and a bar if you had a barbell, damn, you could get a lot done, you know. Mm-hmm. Little things like that. So I think that's another excuse people come up with is time and then, oh, I don't have all the equipment to do the fancy workout. None of this has to be fancy. It can be it can be it can be rooted in some really really basic stuff. Um, what else? Anything? That we've kind of left off the table here in terms of making it, you know, for somebody that's like, okay, I should probably start doing this just for, with a, with regard to solutions.
1: Um, I I mean, I think you made some really good points as far as finding an intentional program. It doesn't have to be, you know, hours on end. It can be a short, you know, duration of, um, working out or frequency. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be fancy. Like you just mentioned. So, I mean, a lot of the foundationals are are basic movement patterns, so it doesn't have to be sexy. Yeah,
0: I think I think one of the other things that prevents people is, that, well, I'm already spending 175 bucks a month at the, you know, at the uh, at the uh, jujitsu school, or you know, like <laughs> I don't know, I pay my. I don't know. Hey, I'm just making this up. My there, pickleball membership is 75 bucks. There's more. a
2: facility in here, and it's expensive. <laughs> I'm sure it the is. Old, yeah, really? The old like,
0: fries like, got turned into a giant pickleball,
2: pl- and it's expensive. So. Like I
0: said, where well, there's <laughs> there's there's the demand, there's going to be money for that. So that the thing often comes up like, ah, well, I'm already spending this much money here. I'm spending that much money there. I get it. So what's the where's a low barrier of entry for you to get into it? I'm not suggesting you go to you know, dick sporting goods or whatever and buy kettlebells and a dumbbell, you know, and whatever. That's not rooted in logic either, right? Just don't do that. It's like going, it's like going to Target and buying fitness equipment. Like, stop it. Like, think about this for a second. Um, Before you do that, you need to be thinking about your programming to understand what equipment you may or may not need and where that does or doesn't fit in for you. Here's the shameless plug. Uh, Get yourself into a a program that has a low barrier of entry and gives you some flexibility and some autonomy to do the things you need to do. Something that maybe you don't have to show up at a particular time and place, so that you can balance around life, work, and the other workouts that you're trying to do. Uh, so many online programs out there. We have our own, right? Uh, our online Our online membership has seven different programs in it, and it stuff that can that that specifically focused to ability levels based on where you are in your fitness journey, life. Uh, things like that. Like total body conditioning up to fit for action. There's a definite difference between those two in terms of the application of exercise. Also your commitment to that exercise, things like that, but your fitness health uh, ability levels, also comfort levels. There's endurance stuff in there. There's mobility stuff in there. There's cardiovascular stuff in there. There's hit training in there. There's all these things that you could choose to augment your program. Like if you know, like I need a little bit more gas in the tank, uh, well, maybe there's there's the oxygen uh, uptake piece. Maybe it's more cardiovascular, uh, like cardiovascular training, low zone two, zone three stuff. We have that. Or maybe it's more high intensity stuff like HIIT training, right? Like the oxygen utilization piece. All right. Well, we have that too. So uh, the point, point of that being is it's very low barrier of entry. Right. In terms of dollars per month uh, for you to get into it. And it's free to freaking start. So you can
1: And do- you don't have to put a credit card <laughs> down on file. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: that's a big thing. All the flex. So okay. if you <laughs> want to see what some of that stuff is, it's super easy. Go to uh RDFtrainonline.com, choose the online membership option. There's a one-week free trial, which basically is sort of some samples of each or not of every single program, but of most of them. So you can kind of see and feel it's kind of a show and tell. You can kind of look through there, kind of how we've organized some of the programs or whatever. Also allows you direct access to us. If you have specific questions, you can message us through the app that that, that, uh, that online membership is delivered through. But it's just a really good, and that's why we put it together. For people that, re- regardless of where you are on the planet, right, and what you may be doing, you can take it with you on the road. You can easily implement it. Um, again, it doesn't cost a ton of money. It is an investment because we do believe there's some value in that. Uh, and part of that value is, again, getting access to the staff here. So if there's questions about, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm not sure how to implement this. Could I cut this four-day-a-week program down into two? If I did, what would I do? That's what we're here for. So again rdftrainonline.com go to the online membership and hit that uh one week free trial. Did we leave anything out? Anything we want to um we want to leave anybody with before we 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 kill it for uh for this episode.
2: I mean get out, move, play your sports, have fun, you know, don't be inside all day. Uh but this type of training and, and things to support it. And you're going to see you're going to win all those pickleball matches. When you
0: get it. <laughs> yeah. Winning is important. And winning Go win. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.